Hello and welcome to the Corinne Nedja podcast. This podcast is where I typically share people's incredible stories of recovery after adopting a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. And also sometimes I share doctors and other professionals and experts in plant-based nutrition coming on the show to help add a bit more credibility and information and education about the benefits of a whole-food, plant-based diet for any people who are concerned that any of the guests on this show is just a one-off. These doctors and other experts, they provide the science behind this lifestyle and why I promote and the guests on my show promote a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet because of its tremendous healing benefits to human health, because of its disease reversal and prevention potential and all of all the reasons why it works. So I love having doctors, nutritionists, dietitians, you know, psychologists, everyone on this show to to add a little extra weight to the guests and their incredible success stories. If so, if you are one of those people or you know someone who is, please send me a message on Facebook or in the show notes of this episode and I would love to have you on the show or if you are someone who has overcome a chronic disease or food addiction or lost uh, a lot of weight from adopting a low-fat whole food plant-based diet, I'd also love to have you on the show. So please send me a personal or a direct message on Facebook or Instagram or in the show notes. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much. If you would like to support this show, I would love, 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 love if you could head over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes, it's called, uh, it was called, but now it's changed its name, and um, leave and leave a five-star rating and a kind review because those things increase the reach of this podcast so that more people have access to these incredible stories of hope around the world. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. And for those of you who already have done that, I was doing a reading them out, but I'm not today because I'm in a hurry. But I will start again doing that as of next episode. So keep your ears out for if you hear yourself and your review being read out next time. Uh, This week, I am so pleased to have on the show Paul Chatlin, who is sharing his amazing story of reversing heart disease and how he avoided having bypass surgery by linking up with Dr. Corbel Esselstyn, who's episode number 20 of this podcast, and he's incredible, definitely worth listening to him in that episode and also buying his book, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease. I think it's on Amazon, Book Depository, everywhere that you get books. It's a great, great read. If you know anyone who has ever had heart disease or who has a family history of heart disease and wants to prevent the chances of themselves getting heart disease in the future. It's definitely a great read and highly recommend. But Paul's story is amazing. It's a weight loss story. It's a heart disease reversal story. It's so worth listening to if you know or you have anyone in your family with or you are someone with heart disease. It's it's a very, very hope-filled story. I um. Wanted to sh- make sure to mention his organization, plant based nutrition support group.org, so pbnsg.org. So his website is www.pbnsg.org. He is doing fantastic work, which he talks about 
in this interview, the work he's doing over to to pay it forward, to give back after he recovered his own health with this way of eating. He's on social media at PBNSG as well. Please follow him, go to his website, check out the work that he's doing and listen to his tips at the end. Stay tuned to the end because they are great tips about making the transition to a whole food plant-based diet and he, yeah, the work. That, thank you so much, Paul. It was so wonderful interviewing you and meeting you. And we have a friendship for life now um, with a very similar mission of spreading this message to as many people at, across the world as possible and helping to to heal the planet, which is which is so important for ourselves and for future generations. So, yes, I don't want to say much more, but thank you. And I hope you all enjoy this episode. Thank you again, Paul. Hello, Paul, and welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Now, we have had an extensive pre-interview chat, so now we're best friends. And I've, <laughs> I'm have i excited to share, well, share your story and the work that you're doing because I think that they're both, one's excellent as far as sharing hope and inspiration to everyone who's listening who wants to transform their lives and their health for the better. But also the work that you're doing is so incredible for promoting that even further and helping more people around America and potentially the world. And it's obviously good for the planet, good for the animals, all of those wonderful things. So I'm really excited to speak with you today and for you to share your story and your organization with us. Thank you. So let's get started. Let's get start, start from the start from the start. Day one. Well, my story really starts uh, as really a, a young man. In my family, growing up, we had a very tight-knit family. <clears throat> it was my dad and his brothers. So everything surrounded my dad and three uncles. And when I was between the ages of 10 and 12, three of my uncles all had heart disease. Two of them passed away. One of them lived about a year, but mentally was never the same. We had to put him into a, uh, a home. And my dad, he had quadruple bypass surgery. And it was really the only time I saw him cry in my lifetime. And I want to go further to just, just to say to you that that was the memory I had of this family. And soon thereafter, my dad, who lived through the bypass surgery, moved to California. My uncles were gone and the family was never the same. And we didn't do the things we did growing up. But let me fast forward a little bit. Um, when I, I when I turned 50 years old, now I've, I've got three sons. So now I'm 50 years old and I make this big statement to everybody. I said, listen, my cholesterol is on uh, bordering 350. I, my doctor tells me I'm probably 40 pounds overweight, even though I was working out a lot. I just, uh, I carried it. They called me husky. I was husky. <laughs> and um, I said, well, I'm today, my doctor gave me a list of things I needed to give up. So I gave up red meat for fish. I gave up whole milk for one or 1% milk. And uh, I reduced the amount of cheese I had. Now, this is all my doctor's instructions. And, um, you know, little did I know that, you know, while some of these changes, along with finding the right cholesterol medication, because initially 
I was on Zocor, but got the side effects. So literally one day, woke up, could not walk, had to spend two days bed rest, got out of my system and I was okay. Then he put me on Lipitor and uh, about seven months, same situation. I was high muscle enzymes as a side effect, which I got. He put me off of that. And then we spent the next, I don't know, 15 years on Pravastatin, which was the weakest of all the uh, then cholesterol-lowering medications. And I was baselining at about 280, 290 over the next 20 years. And uh, so at, at 50, I made some small nutritional changes on doctor's advice. Didn't see really any change until I turned 55. And the change I saw was I woke up one day and I could not believe the amount of pain I had in my chest. And you know, like when something is wrong versus something that you think, oh, okay, maybe I turn my ankle and I'll be okay. Or, you know, I'm not feeling so good. Maybe I got a cold coming. This was as much pain as I have felt. And what was interesting was it, it went away after about an hour. I just lay in bed, wouldn't move a whole lot. And then I got to uh, be part of that journey over the next, I don't know, six months or so, where every morning I would just wake up, I'd feel that way, and come back later on in the evening. But I didn't want to scare anybody, most of all my wife. So I would just endure it. And at about the you know five or six month mark when it happened, I remember going to um, to a meeting, and it was in a building, and I could literally not take more than seven steps at a time because I was feeling the pain in this chest, and got through the day, but realized right then something needed to change because I I was in so much pain. So before I shared any of this information with anybody, I went to my doctor who heard a heart murmur. And with that, he sent me to a cardiologist, uh, a local cardiologist. The local cardiologist did a slew of tests up to the heart catheter and heart biopsy. And at that point, we scheduled it for two weeks from that time I met him the first time. <laughs> and he said, indications are you're going to either need a heart transplant or bypass surgery. Now, he still wanted to get the heart catheter done, the heart biopsy done. <clears throat> so now I knew I needed to share it with my wife, and it was maybe the toughest discussion I've ever had with her. And that was I stopped at her office on the way home. I asked her to come into the conference room. And then I had explained to her that I've been dealing with this for a long time, did not want to share it with her because I didn't want her to worry, and I've always tried to work things out for myself. And I loved her so much, I didn't want her sad, and I just wanted to just figure it out without her knowing. And after she kind of clunked me on the head because I've been in love with her for 20 years, uh, her boss, she, she, was, she was in tears, and her boss walked in the conference room and said, what's going on? And she explained it, and he said, hold on. And he and a friend made a call into the Cleveland Clinic for my wife on my wife's behalf. And I got to go the following week, two days before my Beaumont, which is the hospital I was going to, uh, heart catheter and biopsy schedule. So we drove to Cleveland, and that was like a miracle to me because 
when you uh, try to get into the Cleveland Clinic, it takes about a year to get in. It takes some time. And again, I, um, I'm not judging what he did and how he did it. I found out later. But it, to me, it was he was trying to help me, and I needed help. So I went to the Cleveland Clinic, and they assigned me a doctor. And I, I keep this up here all the time, and it reminds me, without giving him the name too much, I don't know if you could see it, but I, well, let me read this. The doctor they assigned me to, he is the director of heart failure intensive care unit, section of heart failure and cardiac transplant medicine. So he got all the information from my local doctor, <clears throat> excuse me, and that's why I was assigned him. He thought I might need and probably needed a heart transplant, but at the Cleveland Clinic, they within one day gave me all the tests, including the heart catheter. I got there in the morning at five in the morning. Now it's 7.30 at night. We do the heart catheter. And by the way, for those who are listening at home, it was more scary than it was painful. They did it through my wrist. They put me on, you know, I was kind of what they call twilight. And here's a humorous moment. You know, when they decide, okay, we're going to get you ready for the heart catheter. Within five minutes, four nurses shaved me from top to bottom. I'm already on the drugs. Now think about the visual. I'm looking at myself and I'm laughing because, you know, I haven't been shaved top to bottom. And it was, it was kind of funny. And I totally lost all my humility forevermore. It's like, okay, here I am now. I, you know, I got nothing left. They wheel me in and I could, you know, when you're in twilight, you can kind of hear things. You're fading in and out. And I hear my cardiologist, who I just met that day, say, yes. So I kind of, you know, ask him, well, what was that about? He says, you don't need a heart transplant, but rather you need bypass surgery. So they got you shaven and they got you all prepped up and they're starting to wheel me in. And I'm, I'm like thinking to myself, okay, first I said a prayer. I said, Lord, if you could, if you could fix me, if you could get me out of this mess, I've done this enough times. And I must admit, I probably kept that promise. Not as not, not enough. You know, I said, if you get me out of this one, I promise I will give back and I'll give back in a big way. I promise. And the rest of me was just saying, whatever you do, Paul, just wake up. You'll deal with whatever happens, but just wake up. Because now I'm thinking about my dad and my uncles. And, you know, it's just, I was just scared. I was just really scared. I get to the uh, door of the surgical, you know, uh, area. And then the second miracle happens. He looks at me, he says, hey, I've only offered this to one other patient in 20 years and it didn't work for him but would you consider a nutrition change? And if you're willing to try it, maybe you don't need surgery today. I, I was like, yes, I'll do anything you want. And I thought, how, how bizarre. I mean, not only do I get to the Cleveland Clinic, then I get assigned, they have a thousand cardiologists. I get assigned the one person who knows about this. And then he then gets on his cell phone and he says, hello, Essie, short for Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn. Yeah, wow. He said, I've got somebody I want you to talk to. I'm handed a phone and I'm like, like, who is this guy? He said, just listen to him. I had never met my doctor until that day. I had never heard of Whole Food Plant Based or Dr. Esselstyn, Colin, I, nobody. And he says, Paul, why don't you just go on home and I'll give you a call at eight in the morning. Well, he didn't know I still needed recovery. And by the time I took care of everything, it was like four o'clock in the morning 
and it was pouring rain. And my wife looks at me. She says, you know what? Let's just wait a day. We've been up since five the next morning and you can't drive. My little sweetheart got in that because I looked at her. I said, I just want to go to my own bed. Um, so she got in the car. She got in the car and she drove all the way home three and a half hours later. As soon as we got home, Dr. Esselstyn's on the phone and he tells me that um, uh, Dr. Uh, Hannon, who's my do- cardiologist, Dr. Hannon's mentor in medical school was Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn. So how I, I just thought to myself, oh, my God, this is this is a miracle. Because if I was, you know, if I could get into the Cleveland or got to sign another doctor or if this doctor didn't know about whole food plant based, you and I wouldn't be speaking. So I listened to him for a couple. It spoke for about an hour and a half. I immediately went and got his book, spent the next day reading it. And within 24 hours, I took all meat, dairy and oil products out of my house. I went shopping for the first time. By the way, it took me about three hours because I had to label read everything. And I was just starting a new journey in my life. And um, so, you know, what I realized was I was still sick, you know, so they had me on, you know, I I, want to let people know that it wasn't just that I had a full 100% block of my right artery, but I had two other arteries at 65%. I had an enlarged heart, leaky valves, a left, left bundled block, a heart murmur, and I had what they call scar cytosis on the right side of the aorta. So I was in really bad shape. So literally, I had to be bedridden for about two to three months because they wanted to shrink the heart, you know, heart being a muscle. They wanted me just to lay in bed, do nothing. Now, I'm kind of a hyperactive kid. And for me to lay in bed was, was really difficult. You know, they put me on some crazy drugs so I would sleep for 16 hours and all I did was sleep and cook. And, you know, there were moments during that three months, I'm like, man, maybe I should have had the bypass because, I mean, I'm just not enjoying myself at all. But all of a sudden, about the seventh day, the angina went away. I stopped having chest pains. And within about a three-month period, I lost like 50 pounds. And, it, you know, I mean, so I, I went from 225 pounds and today I weigh 168, and I've kept it off. And, um, you know, I started just feeling better all the time, and I came to realize that I am not a good cook. So I went to the Esselstyn's cooking class, and uh, when it was done, I got a receipt for it. I said, well, I'm going to just put it into Blue Cross Blue Shield because, you know, I'm thinking, hey, I just saved them $125,000 for bypass surgery, So they would, of course, want to reimburse me $750 for the class. It got rejected. I said, okay, that's my moment. This is what I'm going to go after. I'm going to work with Blue Cross Blue Shield, and I'm going to get a pay code established. So anybody who wants to make a transition to whole food plant-based from the standard American diet, it won't cost them anything. So while I was convalescing, sick in bed, when I'd wake up, I'd start working with Blue Cross Blue Shield. I got to the highest level because they kept denying me at every step. And I went to their, I think, seventh or eighth level. And finally, it was determined that they could not uh, okay reimbursement because it needs to be agreed upon by the Michigan legislature. So I'd have to work with the legislature to make that happen. And I said, you know, I don't think that's going to be my calling. 
So I woke up a few days later and I said, here's what I think I'll do. I'll put an ad in the paper and I'll just say, listen, I, w- I had, you know, a congenital heart disease. I've got 100% block in my right artery, two at 65. And I went to a plant-based diet and my angina went away in seven days. I feel great. And if I could share this with anybody, the first 20 people could come to my house. And that was just in a local paper. And within two days, I had 20 people signed up. And I thought, wow, this is great. So I invited them over. I showed them everything I learned at the cooking class. I opened up my cupboards. And it was a start of a kind of a community. And it's so wonderful to tell you that here we are over five years later, and two or three of the people are still with the organization and are part of our small group host. And I'll explain that in a little bit. So I did it again the following month. Again, two days later, 20 new people came. And I said, well, I'm on to something. You know, maybe more people to know need to know about it. Now, I was, this was just regarding heart disease. So I called the three uh, heads of cardiology at the local hospitals. And I said, I need to have somebody who understands the benefits of nutrition before pills and procedures, which is probably so new to the medical world at that point five years ago. I said, you know any doctors that I could talk to? And they gave me a little, I said, just give me three of them. Each gave me three, but one name was consistent. That was Dr. Joel Kahn. So I had never heard of Dr. Joel Kahn five years ago. I called him up. He invited me over his house. And then about two, three hours later, I realized that he's going to be the person by my side because I realized that when people were over at my house, they were asking me a lot of medical questions and I'm not a doctor. Now, while I've spent a lot of time learning about nutrition, and I could answer many things, I'm not a doctor. So the advice I give is always my personal opinion. But with Dr. Cobb on my side, you know, we decided let's have a meeting. And we had the first meeting at Beaumont Hospital. So we thought maybe 30, 40 people would show up. In the first meeting, we had room for 80 and 123 people showed up. The following month, we thought, okay, you know how meetings are. You have a big meeting, then it kind of drops down a little bit. We had 147 people show up, and we both realized that there's a lot of people that need help. So two days before our third meeting, I get a call from Beaumont Hospital and says, you can't use our facilities any longer. And the only thing I thought about was what changed. And after I got over that shock, I said, I've got to find a place right away so I could then call 143 people that were on a list and let them know that we've changed it from Beaumont to some other place. I was calling churches, synagogues, everywhere. And then I called the Birmingham school systems and they said, we're opening our doors to you. So five years ago, plus one month, we had our first meeting. Actually, it was probably four years and 11 months. We had our first meeting at the Birmingham school system. They have two high schools and they've been our host ever since. And I just want to say thank you, Birmingham School Systems. I will be loyal to you forever. You opened the doors when no one would. And I want to thank you for that. So here we are. So we started Plant-Based Nutrition Support Group five years and one month ago. And now, I, if, I don't, if you don't mind, I'll rattle just some things about the organization. Of course. Go ahead. I, there was moments where I thought to myself, because, you know, when you think back five Actually, six years ago, I was really on an island. I, there were moments where I said, there's no one on the planet that is doing what I'm doing. There were no restaurants. I couldn't go to the grocery store. Traveling was out. 
you know, I was like, wow, this is difficult. So then I saw a movie and it was a really an interview from Sanjay Gupta interviewing Bill Clinton and Sharon Kitts. Now everyone knows who Bill Clinton is, but what kind of attracted me was they took this person from Canton, Ohio. They brought her to Manhattan and said, okay, you've been plant-based for a year. Okay, let's walk the streets. Tell me what you could eat. So she went around and she was able to find, you know, food that she could put together and eat. And that was part of the interview. And I said, you know, I don't know anybody in Michigan who is whole food plant-based. So what I'll do is I started looking up every Sharon Kintz in Canton, Ohio. And I called three different Sharon Kintz and one of them called me back and it was her. And again, Sharon, I still, to this day, she's my dear friend. We have different, we're going in different directions, but she was my first plant-based friend and she's been my friend ever since. And uh, then I started getting really involved with how do we tell the world? In fact, that was my, my thought is I don't really, I hope everyone goes whole food plant-based because our planet is dying and our generation needs to give something to the next generations. And we've got to stop the way we slaughter animals. We have to make this planet healthy again. And the only way to do it is through human health. That's how to do it. So I thought, well, maybe what I'll do is, you know, I, I have choices. I'm crazy enough that I could have gotten into being a marathon runner or a triathlete. I could have done those things. And I admire all those wonderful people I've met who have gone that path. But I also realized that it's important to give back to community. And I thought that, you know, instead of me working on me, I could do that while I'm working on improving the message to community. So I realized right then, all I care about is that this message of reclaiming your life and your health, your health and your life, has to resonate across the planet so people know about it. What they choose to do as adults, that's their choice. But the fact was, five and a half, six years ago, I never knew about it. And it was just a miracle, God's intervention. It was meant to be whatever you could say. I was lucky enough to find out about it. So I said, that's what I want. I want to be able to create an organization and have a platform so everyone could just learn about it. You know, what's interesting is that as I give talks, the first question I generally ask the audience is, raise your hand if you know somebody who's got heart disease, diabetes, or morbidly obese. And it doesn't matter who I talk to, everyone raises their hand. And it was interesting as uh, you and I spoke last time, I, I like watching uh, history movies. And I saw a kind of an interesting World War I and World War II movie a couple weeks ago. Everyone was fit. Now, granted, they probably were smoking more than they should have. However, you didn't see obesity, probably didn't have diabetes. So the fact is, is that this is going rampant. And I realized that, you know, my message can resonate not only with the heart disease world, but with the diabetics and with morbid obesity, because the progression is you gain weight. It could be over a long period of time. Then you become pre-diabetic, the diabetic, then you get heart disease, heart disease, diabetes, the number one in three killers on the, in the world. It's not getting better. It's getting so much worse. So we started the plant-based nutrition support group. The idea was we needed to bring attention. So We've been so lucky and blessed that so many world speakers have come to
to our meetings to talk, but it wasn't enough just to have meetings. I realized that there were people all over the state who, you know, met at these meetings. So we started something called small groups. For lack of a better analogy, and I'm still working on it, it's like the AA for lifestyle change because, you know, just as tough as it is to stop drinking or stop smoking, trying to make a lifestyle change as you're older, getting older, probably anytime is, is just so difficult because, you know, think about it. When you meet people, friends or family, you always say, how you feeling? How you doing? And then it's, hey, what are we eating? Or where are we going? So food is like the, the most talked about item all the time with people. And now we're trying to convince people that the food that they love is slowly killing them. So it's a difficult thing. So we started these small groups. We started with a handful of them in areas of members that were close to our meeting area. Today, we have over 37 small groups around the state of Michigan. Oh, my Gosh. We've now ventured into international waters with Windsor, Ontario. We've made connections in Chicago, in Wisconsin, in Florida. My goal is not to do kind of like a world spread of PPNSG because, you know, my thought is simply I want to give people the tools so they could start their own plant-based nutrition support group. And if people are watching, I've completed two years of writing my notes down and I have a manual called healthier together. And as long as you qualify with a few questions answered, uh, I'd be more than happy to share it with, with anybody. So that is now completed and done um, and ready to be shared. So as an organization, we have the big meetings, we have 38 small groups. Um, there we go. And uh, around the state, 37 small groups around the state, but we also created a medical course material. So two years ago, we took our first and second year medical students and every speaker who comes to PBNSG, one of the requirements is they have to speak at one or two of the medical schools because um, you're not going to convince 55, 60-year-old doctors that the answer to patient care is what they eat while they're making money on the pills and the procedures. There are some good doctors out there but way too many say they didn't learn it in school when they refused to open up their mind. And really, here's Radical Paul. Here's a moment. You are responsible for our health, doctors. We look at you like we do our priests and rabbis. We hold you at a higher regard. And if you don't share with your patients that nutrition should be considered first and offer plant-based options, then quite honestly, I don't know why you're doctors, because I thought you were healers. First, you're making enough money. Most of you at the age of 55 have made enough money for many lifetimes. How about just reach out, learn about nutrition, and really heal your patients? I'll get back to that in a moment. So we completed our medical course material. So 14 young students spent a year and a half and came up with four to six items of the nine systems of the body. It's been vetted and cleaned up in partnership with Margarita Raspatro of the World uh, of Naked Food magazine. Uh, she connected up with Dr. Clapper and Brenda Davis, and we made sure that it wasn't 95% perfect. We wanted to make sure it was 100% perfect. Those are the best two people on the planet to vet it out. They did. 
And we are now ready to market it to any medical school, any doctor's office, anyone who wants to learn some very basic nutritional pointers and points before you start you know, giving pills and procedures out. So we've got the manual, we've got the medical course material, but there's been some highlights along the way. I've been personally able to speak to over 6,100 first and second year medical students. And if people want to just do the math, if only 1% of them share this knowledge of plant-based success and reclaiming your life with their patients, just these conversations will help save, it's a crazy number, like billions of lives. And I'm challenging all the future doctors or people who are in med school, please consider nutrition before pills and procedures. It's, it's vital to people's healing. It isn't only about the money, it can't be. So as an organization now, we did something this past year called Doctors Teaching Doctors. So I would go up on stage and I'd challenge all the people. We have, you know, four to a thousand people at every meeting. And I'd say, ask your doctor if they're willing to invest in you, their patient, and come to a seminar that we're hosting. They'll get CME credits and they will uh, be able to learn about the basics of nutrition. We had four leading authorities. Dr. Joel Kahn was one of them. Dr. Robert Brakey, both Dr. Brakey and Dr. Khan are a co-medical director. Dr. Elizabeth Sonor, she's a gut biome expert, and she works at Henry Ford Health Systems. And Dr. Carolyn Trapp, who works for PCRM. So we were able to talk about not only general health, that was Dr. Brakey as a general practitioner, but cardiac health with Dr. Khan, diabetes with Dr. Trapp, and gut biome, which is the future of nutrition, which was of Dr. Elizabeth Sonor. And we spent two hours, everyone got a half an hour on their subject, and we had 75 doctors in attendance. We had 25 doctors who said they'd show up, but didn't show up. And I almost, I was, let's see, this close to posting their names on our website because they took seats away from the 35 people who said they wanted to come, but we were sold out. So for anybody who's got further interest in that, kind donations to pbnsg.org on our Facebook or website because it's a program that I'd like to institute globally. If doctors could learn from other doctors about the benefits of nutrition, we'd be able to speed up our planet's healing, our animals suffering and our people suffering. Wow. So we've done, like I said, the manual, we've done the medical course material, we did doctors teaching doctors. But, you know, as a 501c3, what I have learned is, you know, like any organization, we grew dramatically. Today, we have over 6,000 members, the 37 small groups, but we're still being managed with one and a half employees. So if you see this face and I'm not looking like pure energy, it's because I got up at 4.30. I've been working. It's now 5.39 here. And, uh, you know, we have to put in long days because to manage 6,000 members, is a lot of work. A shout out goes to my two one and a half employees, Brett, and especially Stephanie Vale. She doesn't like anybody to know who she is, but behind the scenes, she keeps things flowing with PBNSG. But her and I work endless hours and we do it out of love and give back. But the point is, is that, you know, as a volunteer organization, people come, people go, they don't always show up. That's kind of human nature. So we are now, you know, uh, looking, we, we needed to bring some revenue in. And 
I have a tough time asking for donations. I'm, I realize I'm terrible at it. So instead, we created educational classes and culinary classes. So at PBNSG, last year, we announced 20 educational classes. So we brought eight different plant-based type doctors to teach classes to our members. And then we started culinary classes. So we've got 20 culinary classes. And the classes would be anything from like a transition 101 to advanced transition, Instapot classes. Uh, we do uh, uh, learning how to read, label, label reading. Inst uh, uh, we're going to do an air fryer class coming up soon. We're doing something. We did something for the Super Bowl uh, or Valentine's Day plant-based sweets. So we're, we're doing a whole bunch of culinary classes. And what's happened is we're selling out of every class because people want to either learn or enjoy to try some new foods and they get to walk home with all the recipes. And it's really helped uh, allow PBNSG not to thrive financially by any means, but to continue to tread water as a nonprofit. And, um, but it's, it, it's brought some income and the hope here is that we want to keep expanding all of our education. The next thing I'd like to be able to do is I want to get deep into the behavioral issue of people because as much as I could show somebody all the education and show people that, hey, this food tastes pretty good. Now, I'm going to do a disclaimer. So I was a foodaholic. Okay, the foodaholic in me was I would eat everything that didn't move too extreme, but I'd work out every day. And, you know, the old adage, you can't outwork a bad diet. That's how I gained my weight over time. And here I am six years later. And there are still moments where I sit there and do a stare down for the pizza that was I looked at yesterday, you know, Super Bowl Sunday. I looked at it. It looked at me. It wanted me to eat it. I said no, you know, but, you know, I will share with everybody a story. And that is about six months ago. The other love I had was chocolate. And at a one moment in six years, I took 10 chocolate Hershey Kisses. I put it in my mouth at one time, because that's what I would do. And for three and a half minutes, I just let it melt in my mouth. And I want to tell it tasted great. But here's the problem. That evening, my stomach was torn up. My, for three and a half hours, I was like, oh, I'm hurting. Why? Because my gut flora had changed so dramatically. It didn't know what was going on with the chocolate I put in my mouth. And trust me, you only have to bang my head at one time. I will never do it again. It wasn't worth it. So the reason why I want to, that kind of made me start thinking about the behavior side. So think about it. Here I am. I'm plant perfect. I've had one screw up in six years. It hurt me for a good, you know, three and a half hours. And I realized I had all the education. So I knew this would happen. I've already tried some sweets and, you know, are they chocolate? No, but, you know, oranges are really sweet you know fruit is really sweet my point is is that i wanted to understand why would i have done that and then it hit me i need to go into the behavior side of people because i need to understand is it is it culture driven is it something you know maybe when they were young they, they didn't eat every day i i don't know i want to learn and to learn unfortunately for any organization costs money so that's something i would like to do in a big way soon. Uh, so here we are today, like I said, with over 6,000 members and we keep growing dramatically every day. And 
I guess the nicest thing is I've gotten to meet so many people in Michigan, around the United States, and globally, I get to meet you. And all these connections are humbling for me. That is so, for me, it is the last piece of the puzzle. And I had a a friend of mine yesterday talk about weight loss and food addiction. And she she wasn't, wasn't talking about that specifically, but she was just saying, because she's never been overweight, and she was just saying like, that it's, what were her words? She's like, yeah, there's so many ways to lose weight, just lose weight. <laughs> like it was just really simple to her in her mind, you know, if you've got a weight problem, you just lose weight. But when you've been a food addict like yourself and I have been, that mindset, that behavioral shift, for me, that has been the the last piece. You know, I learned about a whole food plant-based diet, but it didn't matter that much because I still was addicted to food and I, and you can still be overweight if you're eating just even way, 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 just way too much. And I was in eating a little bit too much saturated fat. I'd have a little bit too much, you know, nut butters and seeds and avocado and, you know, tahini. And I still, you know, I was eating too many dates at the start. And on my journey, it's been a huge thing that I've had to work on and learn about. And like you're saying, like do deep you know, learning and research and reading myself to kind of figure out the behavioral aspect and the conditioning and how to undo that conditioning, that lifetime of learning to use food to, you know, heal the gaping holes in our hearts and in our in our beings that we've, instead of feeling them and processing them properly and learning to become emotionally, what's the word I'm looking for? Not dependent. To me, it's like... Yeah. Yeah. I, I needed a, I need to be independent of my emotions toward food. Yes. And and I will say also that about a year and a half ago, you know, because I, I really had no experience about running an organization. You know, I, I, I was a lone salesperson. Okay. So I was kind of like nobody special. I still feel that way every day. You're very special to me, like, Paul. <laughs> but it's like, you know, I, I, you know, that now, you know, kind of manage this organization. It's, it's overwhelming at times. And I started doing yoga about a year and a half ago. And as much as I could share with people that I now, like, I'm so limber, it's funny, you know, like, I, it just, I laugh because I could touch the ground now with my hands and I, I'm not sore ever. And I feel good every day. But what it did for me more is it gave me a time to reflect when times are tougher. And that practice that I've learned is that, you know, to forgive myself if I do something as long as I don't cross anything that my wife says I can't cross. And because, you know, she's my best buddy and I don't want to ever hurt her. Secondly, it's like I I just want to know that whatever comes at me, you know, we'll figure it out. My motto is we'll just work it out. We'll figure it out. And with that, you know, everything has now not become a fire drill. It's more like okay, this is important, but this is maybe more important. And it's allowed me to kind of compartmentalize my life and allowed me to take pause when temptation is around me. Mm. I think that those tools like yoga, qigong, meditation, whatever it is for you, running, cycling, all of those, they have been key to almost every guest on this show's journey is finding something that almost grounds us and it 
makes us more in tune with our body and what our body innately needs rather than what we – that quick fix cons- – <laughs> Band-aid solution of high-calorie, hyper-palatable foods that we think are going to solve our problems but actually only tend to increase our problems over time. Yeah, it's interesting too. The another, thing, another area that I've been doing for the last six months was intermittent fasting, maybe a little bit different than the normal intermittent fasting, but I started realizing you know, I would, I would eat in the morning out of habit. I wasn't really that hungry. I just would eat. And then I said, you know what I'll do is I'll just drink – a gallon of water. And for anybody listening, you should always drink half your weight in water every day. So um, I drink, you know, I drink like a gallon plus 16 ounces, uh, you know, of, of water. And I do that in the morning. So I get up at about 4.30. I drink. And then by about 8 o'clock, I've done the gallon. I'm ready to go work out. And I've been blessed because six days a week, I get to run, lift weights, and then I always do an hour of yoga. And I do what they call hot vinyasa yoga. So I get a good sweat, a great stretch. That's how I end my workout session. And I must share with everybody. It's like, I don't eat. And then when I get back home, I usually don't eat till like two, three o'clock. And then when I start eating, I always have this huge, huge bowl, huge of, of kale, arugula, Swiss chard, spinach. And here's a recipe uh, that I just uh, took on. It's going to be a little bit uh, complicated. I take a lime, I cut it in half, I squeeze it, I put pepper on the lettuce, I use my hands, I massage it for about two, three minutes, and that's it. And from just that simple, you know, addition of lime and a little bit of pepper, I have this mega salad bowl every day. And then once or twice a week, I'll have broccoli as a turn, you know, as a change. But I realize that that's all I eat until it's dinner time. And then it's, you know, usually just whole wheats, you know, beans, vegetables. And then if I'm still a little bit hungry at night, then I might have a little bit of oatmeal just to tide me over till the morning. But I think that uh, those are the things that I, I, I've made changes, which is just, as you mentioned, going whole food, plant-based. I am plant-perfect as a heart disease, making sure that I bring something of spirit into my life like yoga. Exercise is important. And the last thing I'm going to work on is, is my sleep. I'm going to try and work hard at trying to get more sleep. Uh, I did talk to Dr. Doug Lyle once, and he said, I said, hey, you know, I, I probably wake up every three hours. And he looked at me and goes, well, you're, you know, just turned 60 at that time, so you go to the bathroom? I'm like, well, you know, not all the time, but, yeah, I do wake up to go. He said, well, that's normal. He said, do you get to go right back to bed? And he said, yeah, you know, that's not a problem. He said, well, then you're okay because if you're at the end of your REM sleep, and you wake up and you're able to go right back to sleep, you're, you're okay. So ever since he said that, then I'm okay. So guess what? I'm, I'm normal. <laughs> I'm normal. Um, so, so, but yeah, I mean, this has been fascinating. You know, I mean, this whole journey, be it my own personal health struggles to starting the plant-based nutrition support group uh, to, you know, bring in yoga. These are things I never would have thought of, let alone just eating, you know, fruits, vegetables, beans, and whole grains. It's been amazing, but it does have some drawbacks because, you know, I don't travel like I used to. We went to Paris once and I spent too many hours looking for food as opposed to enjoying the vacation. So, you know, you have to plan ahead and I'm unwilling to compromise and take on foods. Like, you know, you could get vegan food anywhere. But I, I don't want to do that. So I, there are limitations. 
Um, I'm proud to say that our organization now has like 30 restaurants that are whole food plant-based, no oil uh, restaurants in the area that we can go to. That is incredible. So that has been wonderful. I can't wait for Australia to have oil-free whole food plant-based restaurants everywhere. Everyone listening, come on, start one up. Chop, chop. Well, here's here. And this is how you do it. This is how I did it here. Real, tri- real easy. So you, you go online and you look at what are the food that they're selling. And you can start seeing they have tomatoes or beans or rice or, or you know, vegetables or fruit. And you, you call them up and say, hey, I'm looking at your menu. And you talk to the owner or the chef, head chef, and say, could you make the following? And then just start listing off all and just create something. Or here's my idea for something. And, you know, chefs like to be creative, so it's a challenge. Um, the owners of restaurants, they want business. So you could say, hey, you're going to get my business and then everybody I know who's like me. And before you know it, they're willing to, I would always say, at least in Michigan, I always, or anywhere, suggest call a day ahead, like talk to them and then call, give them a heads up. Okay, let them know, hey, I'm going to be there right around 12 o'clock and this is what I'm going to want. So, you know, it's still not always the easiest. You still have to explain things to everybody because they're not used to you saying, do you spray your baked potato with oil? A lot of restaurants do, or your broccoli with oil. The restaurants do it so it can look prettier, but I can't have it, and I won't have it. Um, when I go out, it makes some people feel uncomfortable when they're eating standard American food, and I'm playing with a little salad. You know, so I mean, it, there's adjustments, but it's a small price to pay for one's health. So obviously, you have had such an incredible. An incredible journey since your beginning, and I love you know I, I'm I love hearing. I think most there's so much, but I love hearing that basically you're kind of breaking that cycle from your father and your uncles to now reclaim your own health and take back your your heart health and 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 pass that, pay that forward with the work that you're doing now. So it's just such a beautiful thing that you're helping other families not have to lose, you know, three uncles and uh, have your father so sick and all of those things and to have to go through it themselves when they reach a certain age. It's just, it's wonderful what you're doing. And I'm so glad that you've come on the show and shared your work with us and the work that you're doing because it's such important work. And I know that you and I have very similar goals in wanting to spread this message as, as far as possible around the world and to help as many people as possible, um, just doing different different, different ways of going about it. But um, I, all the ways are needed and important. So it's, it's, it's really, really great to see everyone doing their own spin on how to spread this message in their own unique way. Uh, and your way is incredible and already been so impactful with you know 6,000 members and so many little support groups and your work with doctors teaching doctors it's just fantastic and I can't wait to see it grow and continue to grow until it's just this epic world domination of plant-based eaters (laughs) which is what we're all after well there there, there's some challenges out there you know I mean I'm going to be talking soon about I'm going to be here. Here's one for you that you'll kind of find interesting. So I got asked to be part of grand rounds at a hospital. So I've always kind of stayed behind the scenes and let the work be my voice. 
And uh, it's been good for five years, but I'm not getting any younger, even though I plan to live for a long time. And I realized that this year I wanted to branch out a little bit more with some opinions. So at the, at the, during my presentation for Grand Rounds at a hospital, I'm going to, there'll be a hundred doctors there at least. And I'm going to say to them, after they hear my story, know about PBNSG, and I'm going to be joined with Dr. Robert Brakey, and he'll talk about the science behind plant-based, whole food plant-based. And I'm going to start by saying, okay, so my goal is to start a small group in the hospital. We've got one already at Henry Ford Health Systems, and they should be small groups at every hospital everywhere because that is a place of healing, and the only way to truly heal is choosing better have better food choices. And unfortunately that's not happening at hospitals. By the way, that's crazy. You go to the hospital to heal and they don't feed you the food that heals you, but a different story, different time. I was once told, I was once told by the head of nutrition, Paul, you don't get it. People need comfort food. And I looked at her and I said, well, you should be fired. I mean, you know, what, what's the message you're telling people? But again, it's so difficult. So, I, I, um, we have Ronald McDonald <laughs> House here. I don't know if you have them in the States. Yeah. Yes, yes. And, you know, I, my yes. girlfriend had a sick baby. And so she got put up at Ronald, Ronald McDonald House because she was from the country and it was a beautiful house. And she was so close to her baby. And it was a great service for her it was so great free she couldn't afford accommodation it was there it was great and so everyone everyone that you meet you know who's had a contact experience with ronald mcdonald house says it's the best support them donate go to their ronald mcdonald fundraising mcdonald's everyone loves this service and i'm like this is just shameless promotion of mcdonald's under the guise of caring about families, it, 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 it's terrible, and so I <laughs> well so I feel disgust. Yeah, I feel like people get very upset with me when I raise it, but I'm just like I can't donate to a service who literally puts your kids in hospital as their way of making their money, and then buys back their soul by <laughs> by having these services that make you think that they're a beautiful charitable organization that's also at the same time making profits off the backs of sickness. You just described, I don't want to say every, so I'm not saying that, but you just described most doctors in hospitals. They get, they don't tell they don't tell you about the nutrition. They deep dive into pills and procedures. And then where do you go when you're sick to the hospital and they feed you the food that got you? It, it, so, so lining it back up. So I'm going to do these grand rounds and I, I'm going to look at these doctors and I'm going to say real simply, I said, okay, so you know about the science now, can't argue it. You heard my story. You are all cardiologists. So who's going to raise your hand if you're going to help me start a small group here in the hospital. And if I do not see hands being raised, I'm leaving. I'm walking off the stage. I'm going home because I don't want to spend time with people who don't want to heal people. And I want to warn everybody who hears this. This will be my message 2019 and beyond, which is it is not enough to talk about it because words are easy. It's where doctors should have small group type organizations in their clinic. It should be in every hospital. 
and people need to know about it. I can't by myself tell the world about it. You need a vehicle. Well, here's a vehicle. Big companies, big hospitals, and every doctor and every every medical school. These are the people that should be held accountable to at least spreading the possibility that you can reclaim your health by what you eat. And yet, as a collective, the people that you've interviewed, the people that we both know, they're all just kind of getting by for the most part. You know, they're not flourishing financially. It's still on the edge. But why is it that when they announce the planet only has so much more time, people disengage with loving their dog and then eating a cow. I get, I, I don't get it, but I get it, I guess. But there's got to come a moment where you sit there and say, if everyone raises their hand with heart disease, diabetes, and morbid obesity, when do you wake up and say, oh my God, we really have a problem. And how are we as a collective going to try to have one voice, find more funding and stop duplicating our efforts. We've got to have a central depository with all this information so we can readily available. You know, uh, uh, Google announced that the ketogenic diet was the number one talked about diet in last year. I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me? It should be the whole food plant-based diet, but it's because we're kind of fragmented and I would love to see all of us together as one. That's the theme. We have to work together. I completely agree. One of the things I heard today, I was listening to Josh Lajani on Rich Roll's podcast. He's a hero. He's a plant-based they're, hero. Yep, they're both my plant-based heroes. Both, yes. They're incredible. And I was listening to him today and thinking about what type of athletic feat I want to do to prove that people with multiple sclerosis who eat a whole food plant-based diet can be, you know, not in wheelchairs and and walking sticks but can be super super fit um that's that's a different <clears throat> that's a different little thought i was having on my run but he josh was saying and i love this because we all i think a lot of us it's really difficult when you're promoting something like a whole food plant-based diet i think a lot of us come from this really loving kind place and they were talking about online communication and they were saying together that sometimes it can get in in the communities you know in all the communities that want healthy they want health is there is there all of the goals keto everyone wants to live this healthy life but we're also fragmented and and polarized in our in our beliefs about how that can be achieved anyway josh was saying about whole food plant-based eating and he, i loved it because it was just He's just such a great speaker, but he said about this movement that it's, it, it can't be love and light all the time, unfortunately. Obviously, we need to move more together. And I know that we're, you're talking specifically about plant-based doctors and professionals who are all a, a bit more fragmented. But in his interview, he said that he can't be all love and light because this is a beast you know this animal agricultural processed food way of living this way that we're all killing ourselves and like you say every single hand goes up when you ask if they know someone with heart disease type 2 diabetes or are obese it's a beast you know we are we are you and i and josh and rich and everyone are tackling a beast and you can't tackle a beast with love and light. Like sometimes you need a giant freaking sword. <laughs> no. And, and, and no, and, and, and that's the point. It's like, do you realize like, 
Like we're trying to touch one person at a time, two people at a time. Well, I'm sorry, but again, I'm over six. I'm 61. I, I don't have enough time to touch one person at a time. If I, I could spend the rest of my next 30 plus years and I will not have achieved th that the world knows about it. We need to be together and we need to be one voice and we need to do a big splash. Now, just think about it. the day we do a big splash, then all of a sudden you're going to see the might of the beast because we right now have not had a whole lot. Like, like think about it. When they announced that bacon was a tier one carcinogen equal to plutonium. Okay. It's, it made a ripple and then everyone just moved on with their life. They not, like nothing ever happened. And, and that it, wait until the meat industry, the dairy industry, the pharmaceuticals, Say, oh wow, we've got this whole food plant-based group. We better do something. We we don't even know what the how big they are. They're not a what's bigger than a beast. I mean, they're like it's going to be crazy. But the one thing we have on our side is the science, and as long as we have the science saying this, these things happen, and it isn't just for diabetes, heart disease, obesity, some cancers, autoimmune disease. If we could use that and have, and we have that, then it's just a matter of time, but it's so long. It takes so long. So we need to figure out how to. And you we're watching our friends and family members die as we wait. Oh my God. Yes. And yes. that's so and, and hard it, to watch for it hurts. all. It hurts, it hurts so much. It hurts yeah. so much. And, and think about it. That's why I wanted to get into the behavior. Cause I got a couple friends who have lost toes already through diabetes. Yeah. My grandmother lost both her legs. Yeah, no, and they keep looking at me going, I got to eat my meat. I, I go, what do you got to You got to lose a leg? Is it, What's next? But but it's that's where the behavior comes in. Because I need to understand, and I'm trying to, is what is it about that meat or, or what's inside you that says, hey, I guess two toes are worth another filet. I, I, I don't get it. But that's why behavior is such a big part. Paul, I know that anyone listening, just in case you're interested, I just finished reading Man's Search for Meaning. Have you read this? No. It's a little, it's a little book, Write Man's Search for Meaning. And he, it's a book by Viktor Frankl, I think. Okay. Hold on. I'm just going to check my facts before I – but it's fascinating. He was a – Jewish psychologist in Auschwitz. Enough said there. And so he, when he was in there, of course, kept his mind busy thinking about behavior of the of the prisoners of war and of the and and what differentiated the ones who gave up and were help hopeless or and started started behaving in ways that were really unkind and out of character and mean and yeah, Austrian. Sorry, he was an Austrian neurologist and his book is man's search for meaning and very small and easy to easy to get through quickly but um it's fascinating with him just being so curious about what makes one man get through that desperate dire horrific situation with their spirit intact and another man get just completely lost in despair and disheartened and you know, suffer so much more and so much more horrifically. Anyway, it's fascinating. And I think that when you look, when you're looking at behavior, he basically found that the men who 
did okay or did better in those horrendous circumstances were the men who had meaning and a reason to to be okay, like a, and, a, and a reason to survive, if that makes sense. No, it makes it wonderful. Thank you. And I'm going to read, I'm going to get that, uh, that book. I, you know, what hit home for me on that was I had a, recently a chance to give a talk at a Michigan assembly plant. And what I realized was I, you know, I talked to a few people after and I looked at this one gentleman and I said, you know, I said, Hey, you know, what's your name? And let's say it's Frank. And I said, Frank, how's your day every day? Cause I mean, you kind of do the same thing on an assembly plan every day. And he looked at me and said, Paul, you could see I'm about 80 pounds overweight. Okay. I'm on diabetes medication and I'm the head of my household with a big family and I got to support them. So I know that I probably will not live 10 more years, but I'm going to grab every hour I can of overtime so I can support them. And I went home almost in tears thinking, wow, I have totally missed out on understanding where people are and how they got there. And then it made sense because here we have the science, the China study, you know, all these, you know, all these books, all this information. And we have, you know, enough culinary classes and, and, and food options, and still people are making these choices. So we need to understand culture and behavior. And what, what really is amazing to me is th- that is a, a cry from urban America and rural America. It just, it, it truly is. And there is, it, it, there's a disadvantage because they need the education. They need the support. But we have to understand where they're coming from because I don't, I didn't understand where he came from. Now, I came from nothing. So I kind of understood that part of it. But I don't live in those cities in that area. I did before, but now I don't. So it's been 35 years removed. So I don't understand it. I need to understand it if we're going to make a difference. Ah, uh, Paul, I could talk to you all day. Sorry, everyone, if you're, if you're, <laughs> but <laughs> I. I find it really difficult. Like you, I, I grew up in a, on a farm, a rural farm in a rural setting in Australia. And my parents, you know, had just a big giant mortgage and that was our life as farming, you know, as a farming family. And, but now I have been away for a long time and it is difficult because for me, I just, it is difficult to relate. And I, but, but that is that they are the people that we need to get the message across to, you know, because they're the ones struggling the most in the rural settings and in those more remote communities that they don't have a whole foods. They don't have a health food store in their town. They don't have some of them, you know, some people don't have access as easily as I have to the internet or I don't have a smartphone even. And they, they don't have the, the information and resources that we have so readily available to us. But they need the information nonetheless. And getting, making yourself, this is the thing with Josh, is he's so freaking relatable, you know? Like he's just so down to earth in the way he delivers his message about a plant-based diet. And I think that that for me is something that I need to be, put my old gumboots back on and my tracksuit pants and, and I'm, I'm just making a cliche, but I need to become more relatable again. And I think I've lost that because you do you, what you become removed, you move to the city and things become so. Well, it, it's a mission though. It's, it, it, the, the, you know, it's interesting. We've got a few small groups in Detroit and we've got a whole bunch of small groups in rural areas. So it, it happens, but it's, you know, this has been six years or five years. 
And um, I, I think the the biggest issue I say is it, it's it's got to come down. It's affordability. I hate to use money as such an important piece, but if you're going to dive deep into rural and, and urban areas, they don't have the funding that you do as a human. You know, they, they just they don't. So if you're going to try and make a difference, you better come with a with money because you're going to have to not only teach them and educate them, but it, there are places in Detroit where you could go and pass five gas stations with all the food that those gas stations have on the way to the few grocery stores. So I'm just saying, and all of them, you know, I mean, so so there's a lot of work ahead of us, but it really starts with we got to get doctors to understand the benefits of nutrition before pills and procedures, and it's not going to work with the 15 over doctors. It's going to work through the young doctors. We've got to have a common message within our space of whole food plant-based. If Josh Lajani or Ritual would be that spokesperson or Dr. Michael Greger, I, I, you got my vote. Any one of the three of you, come on. You okay? I want, it doesn't matter. I've got a few people that, you know, I just, Dr. Robert Otzfeld, another one who's just doing incredible work. Dr. Clapper. So amazing. we need, yeah, we, we, we need to have a young spokesperson that resonates with people and we can't wait much longer. Okay. I mean, I wish it was me, but, but I'm, I'm getting too old. And you know, my, my, my kids look at me and say, come on, old man. I'm like, what? you know, what? but, but I mean, the fact is, is that, you know, we're trying to make a difference with 20 and 30 and 40 year olds. And there's a difference between that and, and me, you know? So I'm just saying we've got a lot of work ahead, but we need to work together. We need to have a big splash statement so then anybody around the world could pick that up and share it with the work that you're doing and the work in the UK and the work around the world. But we have we can't wait much longer. You're right. You're right. So, Paul, on that note, what would be – okay, first I'm getting ahead of myself. Where can people find out more about PBNSG and your, the work that you're doing? Just please go to www. The letters P as in Paul. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Okay, www.pb, B as in boy, N as in Nancy, S as in Sam, G as in girl. org. So it's www.pbnsg.org. You'll see our website. You'll love the culinary section. Read the articles. And then we've got all this social media stuff, which thank goodness I don't manage that because it's uh, much faster than I can manage. But it's really cool. Excellent. <laughs> I like it. I just difficult. But thank you. Fantastic. Thank you and what would be your three biggest tips for anyone listening who wants to transition to a whole food plant-based diet? I would say if you're thinking about it, do it for 60 days. Now, we all hear about one day, seven day, 21 day, kickstart, jumpstart, whatever. I'm saying give it 60 days. You could do anything for 60 days. But if you do it for 60 days, you'll lose 20 pounds. Your cholesterol number will drop tremendously. Your A1C will drop. In other words, and the coolest thing will happen about day 14 through 20, your taste buds would change. So here I was eating the zucchinis and I'm like, oh, I never liked this stuff. But I kept eating it because I needed to eat. And all of a sudden, I like yam, zucchini, and squash now. It, your taste buds change. You get past the first 20, 21 days, taste buds change, number drops. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. Try it for 60 days. Excellent. Set, 
second, I guess the second thing is, is you have to be grounded with this thing because everything will come at you, meaning the, your family who's used to the standard American diet, they're going to ask you questions. They're going to tempt you with other food choices. The world is not ready for whole food plant-based. It's getting a little bit of bubble from vegan and possible burgers and stuff like that. But to be whole food plant-based, it's, it's, it's a little more difficult. So you have to have, be it yoga, meditate, something mm. that will allow you to namaste when things come at you. And the last thing is give back. You go 60 days, you're grounded now. You ask yourself, okay, I've saved my life. How can I give it, pay it forward? Okay, so so start a support group in your community. Do something, not just for you, but for others. And when you do that, you will feel so wonderful. Not only will your health be great, you'll have grounding that you never had, like I never had before. But when you get to go talk to young medical students or anybody and they look at you and say, thank you, I didn't know about this and you helped save my life. And oh, by the way, I told my mom about it, my brother about it, my sister, my kids are now plant-based. It doesn't happen every day, but it happens enough that you sit there and say, that's why I did it. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much, Paul. They are, I, love, I love your tips. I love your work. Thank you. Thank you. I, I hope that uh, when you're bored one day, you'll give me a call. We can chat. I'm going to. You know I will. For sure. Thanks so much, Paul, for sharing all of that with us. It was such a great I had such a great time talking with you and hearing your story and hearing about your organization, PBNSG. And everyone, make sure you go and check out the website, pbnsg.org and PBNSG on social media. And if you haven't had the time to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and a kind review, I would be so very grateful because that is such an important part of getting this podcast out to as many people as possible. So every single person who has done that, I'm so grateful to you all and the time that it's taken for you to do that and find the review section and write the review. I'm so grateful to everyone who's done that because it has helped this podcast reach more people than ever and it keeps growing, which is very, very exciting for this movement of whole food plant-based eating. And hopefully it will have a ripple effect across all the people who are listening, families and friends and and improve people's health across the world, which is basically the point of this whole podcast, which is fantastic. So thank you. I just love the work that Paul's doing and I hope that, yeah, you can all like his pages and follow him and follow his work and support his work in any way you can. So thank you all for listening and I'll see you all next week.